0: Welcome to the Exchange Church Podcast. Feel free to join us live on Facebook every Sunday at 10 a.m. at facebook.com slash exchangechurch. The following message is brought to you by our lead pastor, Pastor Jared Brooks. Amen. I'm excited about the Word this morning because I know that God is going to do something powerful. Uh, if you have your Bibles, you can open with me to the book of Genesis. Chapter number 50, we're going to start immediately with the scripture. And it says this in chapter number 50, starting with verse 15. It says, When Joseph's brothers uh, saw that their father was dead, they said, What if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrong that we did him? So they sent word to Joseph, saying, Your father left these instructions before he died. This is what you are to say to Joseph. I ask you to forgive your brothers the sins and the wrongs they committed in treating you so badly. Now, please forgive the sins of the servants of the God of your father. When their message came to him, Joseph wept. Verse number 18. His brothers came, and they threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, Don't be afraid. I am in the place of God. Am I in the place of God, question mark? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, comma, to save many lives. To save many. Many lives. Father, I pray right now, God, Lord, that your hand just be upon us, that your hand be upon this time. I pray that that your your word stirs the hearts and lives of your people this morning, God. Lord, that they'll be challenged, that they'll be challenged to, to not just hear the words this morning, God, but they'll be challenged to walk out of this place, changed by your power, God, and by your supernatural authority in them. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So this passage right here, this passage that we just read uh, is at the end of all of the junk. Everybody say the junk, okay? It's the end of all the junk that uh, Joseph went through. Uh, He had had a rough life, you know, uh, I'll paraphrase the story real quickly for you. But at a young age, he was sold into slavery by his own brothers. Uh, Some of you have thought about that, huh? Right? Right? Um, he was sold into slavery by his own brothers. He was then uh, elevated. He ended up somehow in Potiphar's house. And while he's in Potiphar's house, he gets accused of trying to rape Potiphar's wife, which didn't happen. She actually came on to him. And uh, he was in charge of Potiphar's whole household and all of his affairs and authority. And, and Joseph ran for his life. She accused him of rape. He gets thrown in prison. Because of that, he's—I just thing after thing after thing happens to him. And at the end of his life, this is the passage that Joseph is just talking about as he's come face to face with his brothers after all the stuff that he's been through. And he's about to lay down the proclamation or the headline to his life. We all go through stuff, right? I need an amen on that one. We all... Come on, it's 2020. Some of you've been through some stuff, right? It has been crazy. Uh it has been one of the craziest roller coaster ride of a year that I I it, it is the craziest year that I've ever been a part of in my 43 years of life, right? Uh I can't think of a crazier year. There've been crazy things that have happened throughout all the years, but I can't think of a crazier year. Uh, A lot of us have been through some great ups. A lot of us have been through some lost jobs. We've had to We've had pains and sorrows. We've had losses. We've lost jobs. We've had to change jobs. We've lost income. All kinds of things have happened. But you see, what happens is that the things that you've gone through this year or in your lifetime, they don't have to define you. They don't have to be the headline of your life. They don't have to be the headline that everybody reads first when they think about your life. When they think about Rochelle, they don't have to see this one headline of the things that you've gone through this year or in your lifetime. That doesn't have to define you. You see, the editor, what happens is the editor comes along and he takes the story, the gist of the story, pulls in all the story, the facts and the details, And what he does is he puts a headline on the gist of the story. So the question for you today is this. Who is editing my life? Okay? So think about that. Who is editing your life? With everything that you've gone through, with all your ups and downs, when it's all put together, who is it that comes along and puts the title on your life and what you've been through? Because here's my thought. I believe this. I believe that the enemy, if you allow him to, will come along and he will sit at the editor's desk and he will take the facts, come on somebody, he will take the facts of things that actually did happen to you and he will arrange them in a way... to to pull you down. He will arrange them in a way to drag you down and to beat you up and defeat you and to remind you of the pain you've been through, to remind you of the loss you've had, all the sorrow that you've had. And what he's going to do is, and let me remind you, let me pause for a minute. I want to remind you for a moment that when I say the enemy, or I'm not talking about a little red devil with a, A skin-tight suit with a pointy tail and a pitchfork and little pointy ears. I'm talking about the enemy that sounds a whole lot like you. The enemy that sounds like that little voice inside your head that starts to tell you that you're not good enough and that you're not worth it and that you're going to fail again and that you're going to fail again and that you made another mistake and that you made another mistake. That's the enemy that I'm talking about. And he won't necessarily tell you things inside of you and he tries to steal everything from you and he won't necessarily tell you things that didn't happen. He will bring in some facts to make you think that, that, that he's right on. And he'll put in some facts of things that happened to make you go, man, he's got it. He's got it. he's got all these facts. And he'll put this headline out there to break through and tear you down and leave you defeated. What he'll do is he'll hit you with some thoughts that are so conclusive and so gripping. And that's, that's what he's trying to do. It sounds a lot like our media, huh? Mm-mm. Did I just say that out loud? That was an inner thought that came out. But think about it. Think about it, CNN and ABC and NBC and Fox and all these media outlets, good, bad, indifferent, whatever, however you feel about them. What they do is they try to put a headline out there that has some facts in it probably, but they arrange it in a way to suck you in with the headline. And when they put the headline in there, they try to put enough in the headline that you don't actually even have to read the story because it's all said in the headline, Right? What can we say, this is kind of their ploy, what can we say at the top or in the headline? What can we say at the very beginning that will paint a picture, that will paint a narrative that's so telling that they won't even read the rest of the story? Have you felt like that? I mean, That's the way they work, right? I don't know if you've ever seen this, and this is not a commercial or whatever, but on Netflix there's a show or a documentary called The Social Dilemma. Anybody ever seen it? Uh, the Social Dilemma, it's spooky. <laughs> and it talks about how, so let's, let's just, for kicks and giggles here, let's say you're a Biden fan, okay? And uh, if you like Biden, or if there was a post or anything about Biden that you liked, immediately all the matrix built into all social media and websites and everything will now begin to send you all good about Biden, all bad about Trump. Now, however, if you're a Trump supporter, if you were all about Trump and you liked one of his, you know, a tweet or something or whatever, likewise, it now starts to flood you and you're seeing comments and things that people are posting, everybody on this side, and you're not seeing all the ugliness. That's kind of the way the social media was built. In fact, some of the, the people who invented some of these algorithms and stuff, it's gotten so out of hand that they don't even allow their own children to have social media. Just a side note, I'm just saying, and I have I have social media, I have all of them. I'm I'm TikTok famous. I'm just saying. I, I, I'm just saying, I'm not saying don't have it, but what I'm saying is, is there's a bent, there's a bent that they're manipulating and twisting and putting things on us that you don't even realize it. And they try to think of what is is the headline that I can tell them that they won't even read the story. They just see the headline and go, yep, that figures, right? Oh, yep, I believe that. And then they just go on about their business. And then they start preaching that headline as fact without even reading the story. That's kind of the way the enemy works, especially the enemy of our mind, is... Maybe I can tell them something that's so hurtful. Maybe I can tell them that since they were abused when they were little, that they're worthless. That they're worthless. And and maybe I can tell them that since they struggle with this one subject in this one area, that I can tell them that they're learning disabled. That's what I'm going to do. That's popular nowadays, right? I'll just put a learning disabled tag on them, and they'll live with that the rest of their life. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to put this label, this headline of learning disabled in front of them. And I'm going to drop it on them all the time so that that's all that they focus on. And throughout their entire life, that becomes an excuse. It becomes a crutch. It becomes a a hindrance to everything they do because that's become the headline of their life, that they're learning disabled. And then they'll be so focused on that that they'll never see the joy and the calling of God and the hope and the happiness that they're actually called to because they'll be so focused on learning disabled. It's the way that it works. I don't want them to read through the story and understand the truth. I want them to read my story. I don't want them to know the real story. Maybe if I could convince Lauren that nobody, nobody loves her when, in fact, a lot of people love her. But if I can convince her that nobody loves her, then I can put the banner, the headline of her life, Lonely. Loneliness. And she'll be empty, and she'll be lonely, and she'll be discouraged. She'll become maybe a recluse and she won't get out, and then she will never see her potential. She'll never see her calling. She'll never see her anointing. She'll be so focused on the headline. If I can do that, and, and she'll go out, and, and she's trying and trying and trying to experience the semblance of love, and then I can keep her from really ever understanding the substance of love. Come on, somebody, right? The semblance will keep you from the substance Mm-hmm. the semblance will keep you from the substance. Maybe I can convince them that they're an addict, and if I can convince them that they're an addict, then I can show them that they have no control and that no one can hold them accountable for their actions because that's just who they are. And and and, and they were forced into this situation by, by the mistakes of others or by other people's problems, and it, it was out of their control, and they have no control, and they can't help that because his dad walked out of him when he was seven years old, and he had to grow up without a dad, and all the terrible kids had dads, and he didn't have a dad. And, and when his dad ever came around, he was a terrible father. And if I can convince him that because his dad walked out on him, that he too is going to be a bad dad, I'm going to make that the headline of his life. And then he's going avoid, to avoid being a dad. And then when he becomes a dad, he's not going to want to be a dad. And then he's going to make mistakes, and he's going to realize immediately that it's not him. It's because of his dad. He's going to blame it all on his dad, and he's going to just be a terrible dad. And he's going to be a failure. It's the headline. I'm going to drop it on his doorstep every single day. Let me tell you something. The enemy is a liar. All right, You know, I, I don't know who it was one day that created the little cartoons or whatever that had the little devil on the shoulder and the little angel on the shoulder. But I don't know if there was ever a more genius, prophetic, spiritual manifestation of cartoon ever than that, because that is so true that we all have this little evil voice that just pours into us every single day, and he takes your weaknesses, and he takes your failures, and all the mistakes that you made, and let me tell you, you've made mistakes, and he blows them up in your face, shoves them in your face, and then what he does, since he's the editor, he writes the headline, the headline based on that, and here's the truth of the matter, is that you don't get to control your story, but you get to choose the headlines, Okay. Now what I mean by that is you don't get to select the script of your story, but you can choose your headlines. Somebody say amen. See, ask Joseph. He didn't choose to be thrown into prison at the age of 17 by his own brothers. He didn't choose to be thrown into the pit, sold into slavery, and then, and then come out, work his way up, and then he didn't choose to be accused by Potiphar's wife of rape, and then falsely imprisoned. That's not what he chose. Though all of these things happened, and they were all traumatic, they were not defining. I want you to hear that. Joseph went through some stuff. And it was traumatic. It was painful. I can't, I can't even imagine. I wish that I could just jump into this like Superbook. Did y'all ever watch that cartoon when y'all were little? Maybe I dated myself there. I don't know. But there was a cartoon called Superbook where they would jump into the Bible story. They would jump into it. And that's how I know most of my Bible stories is a Superbook. So if Superbook misinterpreted the Bible, then I'm always misinterpreting the never mind. My point is, if I could jump in to this story into Joseph's life, I wonder how many times he cried. Think about that. How many times he just sat there and cried and cried and cried. That his whole world came crashing down. It wasn't just one time, it was multiple times. I mean, this guy. Multiple times, just thing after thing after thing, happened. Listen, but just because it happens doesn't mean it has to make the that has happened, but just there's a lot of stuff that has happened, but just because it happened doesn't mean it has to make the headlines. The one who writes the story doesn't necessarily have to be the one who chooses the headlines. See, life is going to put some junk in our way. It's just going to happen. It's going to put some bad things in your story. There's going to be some things that happen that you wish you could change. Amen? There's some pains that happen that you wished you could have avoided. Amen? There's a lot of things probably in 2020 that you wish you could turn back the hands of time. Amen? But things happened. But just because it happened doesn't mean it has to be the headline. Nevertheless, it happened. Joseph, he has a a rape charge and a false imprisonment near death at the hands of his brothers, and at the end of it all, he publishes the proclamation for his life. He has the editorial authority to look at everything that he's been through. Everything that he's been through and to take all of those events that have marked him, that have shaped him, that have pained him. And what he says at the very end is he says this after seeing everything. He says what you meant for evil. What you meant to hurt me. What you in other words, listen, brothers, if if you were writing my story. What you would have wrote is, you would have, you would have had me as a slave. <laughs> but I'm not a slave. And if you were writing my story, you would have had me as an arrogant 17-year-old who didn't know any better than to keep his dreams to himself. If you were writing my story, I would be a victim. But I refuse to let that, let what happened to me when I was 17, define me and be the headline of my life when I'm 30. That's your story. That's what you made me go. That's not my headline. Some of you need to hear that this morning. I refuse to let the divorce that I went through when I was 30 define me when I'm 40. I refuse to let the parenting mistakes that I made when I was 25 or 30 define me when I'm 50. I refuse to let the unhappiness and the failures and the the mistakes and the costly mistakes and the bad business deals that I've gone through define me for the rest of my life. Things can happen to me, but there's a big difference in what happens to me and what I put as my headline. And that's the great thing about where we are today is we get to put the headline. Let me say this as plainly as I can. You are not the author, but you are the editor. Okay? You can't control it. The editor doesn't determine what this story is about uh, or what's in it. In the same way God has not called us to control what happens all in our lifetime. There are things that are going to happen that are outside of your control. Everybody agree with that? There are just things that are going to happen. Now, there are some things that happen because you, you did something stupid. But, but I'm saying... The majority, there's things that are going to happen. There's going to be a a time when you lose your job and it had nothing to do with anything that you did. It's just going to happen. There are pains. I've watched my family and aunts and uncles lose kids. Some of you may have lost a child. There's things that just happen that you can't control. You didn't choose it and you didn't make it happen. It just happens. But Joseph, he gives us an illustration, and he clearly says this. He says, I was put here. In fact, what he actually says is, I was sent here to save lives. Everybody say, I was sent here. I was sent here. That's the way we need to go about our life. Okay, wherever you're at today, whatever you're going through, If you're in school, Pastor Jared, you you don't understand because understand that you were sent there. Well, I wasn't really sent here, Pastor Jared. You you don't understand because this job that I actually have right now is not really the job I wanted. I had another job that I wanted, but it fell through or it shut down because of the coronavirus. and, And I'm here, blah, 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 blah. Let me tell you something. You were sent there, and you need to begin to accept that and say, I was sent here. I was sent here. I determined the headline, not you. I was, sent, I was put here on purpose for a reason. I know that little nasty voice in my head is trying to tell me that, you know, I'm just here. I got to do what I got to do. But I was sent here. I ultimately decide the headline of my life. See, you need a dream to drive your decision. I need a dream to drive my decision. You need a dream to drive you towards your destiny. But what you don't need at this point are all the details of that dream. Because sometimes the details are messy. The dream is awesome, but the in-between here and there can get messy. So that's not what we have to worry about. We just keep the dream in our focus, the dream ahead of us, the dream in our vision, and life is going to happen in between. But when the dream is set before us, then we can make it. In Genesis 37, Joseph was 17 years old, and he saw a vision that he didn't understand. He saw something that was beyond his maturity, and it shows, okay? He totally exposes his uh, immaturity in this. He couldn't handle it. He saw himself surrounded by 11 sheaves of grain. They were all bowing down to his sheaf of grain, and it was a picture of his brothers bowing down before him. Oh, once he started feeling this and hearing this and seeing this, oh, he couldn't handle it. It was a real dream. It really happened. It was really a, 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 a prophecy to what was going to happen. He was too immature to handle it. Then, because when, see, and then he gets a second dream, right? Because when God's doing something in your life, God usually follows it up with a second or a third. God usually always confirms things. Come on, in the mouth of two or three. or and He begins to confirm things. He always, he'll give you a little picture here, and then, and then your pastor will come to you and say something, and you go, wow, somebody told me that before. Or a friend will say something, and you go, wow, my pastor said that to me one time. Oh, wow. And all of a sudden, you get a piece here and a piece there and a little piece here. You start to put it together, and that dream begins to manifest in front of you. But what they didn't tell you is all the messy middle in between. Anyway. So he gets a, a second dream, and the second dream, he sees this. He sees the stars and the moon and the sun. They're all bowing down to him. So this time, it's not just a picture of his brothers bowing down to him. It's the whole family. It, it's the whole family. He's, it's very ambitious. It's his parents, and, and it's very ambitious at this point to Joseph. And at the end of his life, when we meet him, At the beginning of this message today, we met Joseph at the end of his life. He's speaking to his brothers who hated him so much that instead of leaving him for dead, which would actually have been kindness, they sold him. They sold him into slavery. So I want to give you just a little more insight to how Joseph refused to let the enemy or that voice inside of his head be the editor, which puzzles me why why would you ever let the voice inside your head that that you know constantly speaks negative that constantly pulls you down that constantly drags you down that constantly makes you feel less than why would you let that voice be the editor and, and put the headlines up in your life and so joseph he's explaining to his brothers his point of view right Because when when we write a story, we write it from our point of view. And he's explaining to his brothers his point of view of how he got to this place. And he says, listen, I know that the story should be that you sold me. That you sold me. But that's not what I'm going to write down as the caption of my life. It says in Genesis chapter 45, verse 4, it says, Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. Now, this is at the very end. This is after they've already done all their bad stuff to him. And now he's in a place of prominence. And he says, Come here. Some of you are thinking what I'm thinking. (laughs) So he could punch them, right? (laughs) So he could strangle them or something, right? Come here. Come here, come close. But listen, he understands that he is only responsible for his response to. Think about that. He is only responsible for his response to everything that happened to him. You're not responsible for all the events that occur. Only your response to those events. Okay? Okay. Bad stuff happens. It's just going to happen. Man, if I could stop it, or if I knew how to stop it, I'd write a book and be the richest man ever to live. If I could figure out how to stop bad things from happening, I'd be a wealthy man. Let me tell you this. Your parents divorce It wasn't your fault. The enemy's a liar. And if the enemy's been telling you that or something similar to that, you need to kick him out of the editor's desk. He has no right, no authority to be putting the headlines of your life up. I refuse to see it that way. That's the wrong lens. Maybe there's some truth and some things that happen, but it doesn't define me. That's not my story. Joseph says this. He tells his brothers to come close. And he says, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. Remember? 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 You sold me. That's the headline right there. You sold me. Joseph's brothers sold Joseph into slavery, right? That would be the headline. Cocky, cruel brothers sell cocky kid, right? Shouldn't that be the headline right there? Cruel brothers sell cocky kid. That would make a great story, right? And if you were just flipping through the newspaper and you saw that headline, that pretty much tells the story, right? Cruel brothers which they were, sell cocky kid. End of story. That's the headline. Defining moment for the rest of his life. If we were telling Joseph's story, that might be what we say, but he goes on and he says this. Now, don't be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me Ahead of you, what? 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 So we have two different headlines here. Wait, wait. Cruel brothers sell cocky kid. No, 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 no. And then Joseph says this. He says, "Don't be upset with yourselves. No big deal. It was, it was, it had to happen. That God sent me here. He changes the headline. There's two possible headlines here. Isn't that amazing?" Isn't that amazing that he had the editorial authority to do something like that? How many of you have ever seen an inductive, and I've asked this here before, an inductive method study Bible? Okay? I used to have one, and, and uh, I was looking for it this morning. I have no idea where it's at. But uh, an inductive method study Bible, maybe your parents might have had one, uh, or your grandparents it had really big print one. It was a really thick Bible, but it had huge margins that were blank for notes. So you could write all in those margins notes, and you could put notes on both sides and whatever, and it was really, really uh, an awesome study Bible. But the difference in that Bible and like a, a regular Bible, it they has titles at the beginning of every chapter or every story, you know. So it might say, uh, you know, um, Cain kills Abel, or Jacob sold into slavery, or Potiphar throws Jacob into prison, and it gives you these titles. Well, in an inductive method study Bible, there are no titles. It's just a blank space in front of every story. And the point of that was so that you could read the Bible, read the story, and you put in your own headline, your own title to that. So let's play a game we're going to choose our own headline for this story, all right? We're going to choose our own headline. In Genesis 45 right now, we're, going to, we're just going to go off these two verses. And maybe, and the point of this, I hope you get the point of this because somebody that's listening this morning or somebody that's watching this morning needs to grab a hold of this. Maybe it will change the way you look at your bankruptcy, Maybe it will change the way you look at at the divorce that you've gone through. Maybe it changes the way you look at the brokenness. Maybe it will help you see things differently instead of an embarrassment. Maybe it will help you change the way you see (coughs) 2020, the things maybe that you don't even want to talk about. So Genesis 45, verse 4, it says this. You sold me. Headline Genesis 45, verse 5 God sent me. Same event, different headline, same story, different title, same story, but different editor. See, the enemy was trying to edit the first part of that story in Joseph's life. The enemy was trying to define Joseph and selling him into slavery and getting him to doubt himself, getting him to doubt the dreams. The headline that you choose about an event determines whether you stay stuck in what happened or whether you move forward to where you are headed, right? Come on, somebody. I don't write the headlines of what happened to me. I write the headlines based on where I am headed. That's why it's called a headline. I write it based on where I'm headed, that I'm headed somewhere, that I have a dream that I'm going towards. Somebody say amen. It should make you feel good to know that even though you may not be able to control The story, you do get to choose the headline. That's exciting to me because let me tell you, (laughs) my story's messy. I'm the only one, I'm sure. I'm the only one who's done a lot of dumb things. I'm the only one who failed over and over and over and over and over again. I'm the only one who's had messed up marriages. I'm the only one. the only one who have made mistakes with my kids. I'm sure I'm the only one. So when I read something like this that says that even though I've made some mistakes and I've done some bonehead things, I get to write my headline, that's exciting. Because it's exciting to me because you don't know what I've been through. I'm hoping that it's just as exciting to you. Because I don't know what all you've been through. Think about that. That everything that's happened in your life, you get to write the headline. Yes, it happened, but that's not where I'm headed. Yes, I did it, but that's not who I am. It's in my history, but it has no place in my destiny. See, I have editorial authority over the events and the things that happen in my life. Stuff's going to happen, and from this point forward, from November the 29th, 2020, moving forward into the future, let me tell you something. Stuff's going to happen to me. There's going to be some bad things happen to me, and I'm not speaking, I'm just telling you about life, okay? I'm not speaking gloom and doom and prophesying it over me. I'm just saying, that's life. Stuff happens. It's always happened. It will always happen. But I can promise you this, and I will prophesy this, that it won't define me. It won't be the headline of my life. It won't be what everybody looks at me and and sees me and tries to, to remember me by because there'll be a headline that they'll remember me by, and I choose my headline. I can go through stuff, but I get to choose my headline because I know the end from the beginning. I know where I'm headed. So I get to write that. I'm not going to write it based on the pain I feel, but I'm going to write the headline according to the purpose. See, I used to say it was the biggest regret of my life, but if I keep the headline of regret, it paralyzes me because I can't really do anything about regret. You agree with that? Anything about regret? Once I click on, instead of taking me forward into the future, it leaves me locked up in the past. Once I buy into the regret, I just get stuck. I just get stuck. I've heard it said a lot of times that that people at the end of their life they don't talk about. Um, their past, they don't live, they didn't know the things that they didn't get to do. They don't live, they didn't get to live life to the fullest. I don't want to live with regret. I want to live life to the fullest. So I don't want to call it regret anymore. I'm going to change the headline and, and maybe I can't change the story because the story is the story, the facts are the facts, the thing is the thing, right? But, But I might rather call it a lesson. Because if I call it a regret, then I have to live with it. But if I call it a lesson, then I can learn from it and move on. See, a regret, you're just stuck in it. You're just stuck in it. You sold me. But a lesson is God sent me. I have grown up. See, when I was young, I didn't get it. I I had all these dreams. I wasn't mature enough to handle it. I spoke out of turn. I frustrated a lot of people. I put myself in some bad situations. You did a lot of things to me. I was hurt. I was pained. But you know what? I learned from it. And I don't regret it because I learned from it. And now that I learned from it, I'm sitting in a place where I can bless you, brothers. Because I learned a lesson. Same story, different editor. Who's the editor of your life? We do it every day. If, if you want to know the head, headline of somebody's life, just ask them. Um, we talk about it every day. Uh, I, I was real careful this morning not to ask anybody, but a couple people I did on accident. So if it, this is you, I apologize. But uh, if you want to know um, somebody's story, the headline, just ask them how they're doing. <laughs> I was trying not to ask you about it cuz I didn't want cuz I I wrote I wrote some things down in my sermon and uh, and then it happened this morning. How you doing? Oh man, I'm tired. <laughs> I told him I said don't say that. <laughs> it's in my sermon. <laughs> I got to call you out. I'm tired. I'm tired. And my comment was this. You don't want to lead with that. You don't want to lead with that. That tells me a story. That tells me where you're going. You're giving me a headline. And see, if if life was a cup, then things like I'm blessed, I'm full, too blessed to be stressed, I'm I'm great, I'm loving life. See, that leaves my cup full. I'm tired. Leaves my cup empty. Right? Right? Doesn't mean you can't be really actually tired, but you're leading with the headline. You're, you're making a proclamation of where you're headed, where you're going. When you ask somebody, and I, I'm careful to be honest with you, who I'm talking to, there's some people, and none in this room, FYI, so don't start looking around, pointing fingers. There are people that I will not ask how they're doing. Somebody say, man, please please tell me I'm not the only one. There are some people, I, I will not ask them how they're doing. I'll just say, hey, good to see you, because I can't handle their headline. I can't handle what they're about to say, because I know they're about to unload. And I'm like, is that really where you want to go? Is that really where you want to go? Well, you're leading. That's where you're headed. Just negative Nancy, and I, I just can't handle that. And so I just avoid. I just avoid that sometimes. I don't avoid them. I want to talk to them. I just don't want all the dump that comes with it. I'm sorry, y'all got me on a rabbit trail for a second. <laughs> Edit. I'm changing the title. <laughs> Somebody look at your neighbor and tell them God sent me. Come on, listen. You have an assignment. You have an assignment. Wherever you are, whatever's going on in your life, you have an assignment. What I like about Joseph's life is that God even used Joseph's ignorant ambition in his assignment. Joseph made some dumb, boneheaded mistakes, right? Right? We can agree on that. When Joseph starts bragging about these dreams and telling his brothers, hey, yeah, you're all going to be bowing down to me and stuff, right? The, the brothers, they, they start making fun of him. Whoa, behold, here comes the dreamer. You know, they start mocking him and stuff because he's just a, an arrogant, boneheaded kid, right? We're going to make mistakes, but God even used that. At the beginning of his life, it, it was all about status to Joseph, Man, I saw these sheaves and everybody was bowing down before me. Even the sun and the moon and the stars. Everything is bowing down before me. It was awesome. I've got this big dream. I'm going to be the man. I'm going to have an awesome place and prominence. But time and trauma and events taught him that the headline was never about his status. It was never about the status of Uh, of his dream. It was about the difference that he was going to make to the people that he was sent to. I want to challenge everyone in this room this morning and those that are watching online to go ahead and write down your headline. I was thinking about this. Um, we're, We're a month away, a little over a month away from 2021. And I don't know if there's ever been a year in the history of mankind that people were more excited to welcome in than 2021. 2021 will go down in history as the most epic introduction. I don't know what the year is going to look like, but the beginning, it's going to be crazy. With or without mask, I'm just saying. But I challenge you to write down your headline. What's your headline for 2021? What's your headline for this next year or for the rest of your life? Is your, is your headline this, that, that you have a calling on your life? Because I used to say this in this church all the time, but at the beginning I would ask everybody, come on, those of you that are called into the full-time ministry, raise your hand. And I would say that over and over and over until everybody in the church was raising their hand. Because I was trying to teach everybody and teach you that you're all called into full-time ministry. Okay, full-time ministry is not a position at a church. Full-time ministry is is who we are. (laughs) It is who we are as believers. I am am a son of the most awesome dad in the world. My job as a son is to make sure everybody knows who my dad is. And and I want to meet all my brothers and sisters. Right? It's my job. So write down the, the description of the headline that you you speak over your life. See, I have a dream and some bad things happen. I didn't want it to happen, but it happened. I wouldn't have scripted it, but it happened. But God put an ambition in there, and so I'm writing my headline. Listen, the ambition to do is more important than the details of how it's going to get done. The Bible says this, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Man, we've sung that song. And those of you who grew up in church, man, you've sung that song. You've heard that song sung forever. You've heard 20 different versions of that song sung. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I want you to get this. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. That means this is the day that the Lord has made. In other words, he authored it. He authored that day. He authored it in you on purpose. There's a famous novelist who has written tons of books, and he makes a statement, and he says, I don't start writing a book until I finish the last sentence. He was asking an interview, really? I've heard you say this before, but is that really true? And he says, absolutely, it is true. I never start a novel until I finished the last sentence. So let me apply that to the Bible once again. I know how it ends, I know how life ends for you. Some of you probably started to doubt. How it's going to end for you. Because that little voice inside your head is telling you it's not going to end well. But it is. It is going to end well. Whatever happens when you know the end from the beginning. Have you ever watched a a scary movie or or a movie and you think somebody's about to die but you've already seen the movie? And so it really takes away from the climax of the movie because you already know the end of the movie. Right? Right? When you already know the end, it's really not that scary for the the main characters, right? It's really not that discouraging. It's really not that defeating when they look like they're about to die in the middle of the movie because you've already seen the end. You know how it's going to end up. Let me tell you something. Same way in this life. I can tell you how it's going to end. I can tell you how it's going to end. And so knowing how it's going to end, it means that we don't have to be so bogged down and tied up and discouraged when things start happening In our life. Dysfunction and tension and all that stuff. It's going to happen, but it's not the story. Joseph gives us in Genesis 5.20. He gives us the power of a good headline and a hopeful conclusion. God says this. Jeremiah writes it down. God says, I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Now listen, that wasn't written to you. You have the same promises, but that wasn't written to you. That was written to a very specific people. It was written to a people, a group of people who were in captivity, who were about to be taken away, people who were ravished, people who were lost and dying. God God spoke that to them. And he says, because I have a plan that if you'll tarry 77 years, I'm going to bring you back to this place because I have a plan for you. And that plan is a hope, and it's a future, and it's full, and it's full of life. There's a hopeful end. This is headed somewhere, and when you know that your life is headed somewhere, and that it's going to end with purpose, there's no amount of pain that can cause you to stop your progress, because you've already seen the last sentence. And I want to give you the last sentence today. Will you stand with me this morning? I'm going to get ready. you to understand this. I'm going to give you the last sentence of your life today. And I want you to understand that there's still going to be stuff that happens. I've already said that. There's still going to be life that happens. You know, I'm not speaking this on anyone, but you could drive out of this parking lot and have a flat tire. Um, life happens. But when you understand the last sentence, the messy middle is not nearly as discouraging. So here's the last sentence of your life. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. Come on, say that with me. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who are called according to His purpose. His purpose. Purpose is the very last word of that sentence. Purpose. That's the last word. That's the only thing that you need to hang your hat on this morning is that you have purpose. You were called. You were created. Life was spoke into you on Purpose. It doesn't matter what job you're, you feel stuck in right now, or what life you feel stuck in right now, you have purpose. You have purpose. And, and when stuff happens, it doesn't say, and we know that all things are good. We know that in all things God works for the good. We were never promised that everything's going to be good. We were never promised that everything was going to be easy. Purpose is the headline. Purpose is the last word of the sentence. Purpose is what, when it all ends, matters. You didn't sell me, Joseph would say to them. You didn't sell me? You tried, you tried to write the headline. You didn't sell me. God sent me. There was purpose. When I was laying in the pit and I was all by myself and I was crying and I was alone and all my family abandoned me. It was on purpose. I didn't see it then because I was young and I was arrogant and I just didn't get it. I end up in Potiphar's house and I start learning and I start growing. I start getting closer and understanding my purpose. And then his wife she comes in and she comes on to me and she accuses me of rape I ran out of the room and I she took my jacket as I ran out she pulled my jacket off and then she called the guards in and she told them I tried to rape her and they had my jacket they pinned on me and they threw me Potiphar who was like a dad to me I ran his whole affairs I was in charge of everything he was like a dad to me he trusted me with everything He turned his back on me. Come on, somebody knows exactly what I'm talking about this morning. The last person that you would have expected to turn their back on you. Turn their back on you. Maybe a father figure, a spiritual father, a spiritual mother, somebody. And he finds himself in prison, laying there against the wall, crying, again, alone. No family, because they're not back. He's lost his job. He's lost everything. And now he's he's got another title. People are outside of the jail calling him a rapist. God sent me through it all. Joseph stands there and he's looking at his brothers at the very end. The vision, the dream the headline that God gave Joseph at the beginning of the story came true. Joseph sitting there looking at his brothers now on the other side of this story and he's able to look back through all the messy stuff and he says, don't be angry because I've grown up. I've grown up And I see that you sold me, but it it wasn't so, that's not the the story. The story is God sent me. It was on purpose. And then he goes at the end of that passage that we read with this morning. He says, and the purpose was that I could save many lives. Joseph was put in a place of authority where he literally was the salvation to the, the desolate economic situation plaguing the land they had no food and Joseph started storing up he was wise he started storing up and rationing and he was able to save so many people Joseph saw the end from the beginning but man (laughs) could he have avoided some of that stuff no it's just life He couldn't control all of that. But he did control one thing. When he sat there at the end looking at his brothers, he had two choices. He could have said, I remember what you've done. Maybe this is what a lot of us would probably say. I remember what you did. I remember laying in that pit by myself. I remember what y'all did. And then you ran off and you left me. And you sold me to these gypsy slaves. You abandoned me. I didn't even get to see my dad before he died. And I loved my dad. Joseph could have wrote that as his headline. But he says, God sent me. Listen to that voice that's talking to you. You've got to remind it that it's not about what you've done or what you've told me that I've done. But my purpose is in what God has done. What God has done in me. So I'm rewriting my story. I'm calling this chapter Victory, somebody. Somebody. I'm calling this chapter conquest. I'm calling this chapter growth. I'm calling this chapter maturity. I'm calling this chapter new beginnings. I'm calling this chapter freedom. Because I'm changing the narrative. And so my challenge to you this morning, church, is exactly that. Is exactly that. With everything that we've gone through. And, and some of you can really think about some horrific stuff as a child with maybe your parents uh, as an adult, maybe even this past year with your children. Some of you have gone through some horrific stuff, but I'm asking you, I'm begging you right now to stop with with the negative headlines, to stop, stop defining yourself based on the ugly things that have happened to you. And I want you to stop looking at that for just a minute, and I want you to look ahead. At the end of the line, all things work for the good of those who love Him. God works all things for the good of those who love Him and are called according to His purpose. You know that's talking about you. That verse is about you. And it ends with purpose. Father, I pray right now, Jesus, God, that we see, maybe some of us for the very first time, purpose, real purpose in our life. God, we've had some ugly moments that have shaped us and, and that have, have, have adjusted or altered our life plans, maybe. We've had some things that have knocked us off course or, or rerouted our course, God, but through it all, no matter what happens in life, at the end of the day, God, we sit there and we get to write the headline of our story. And I pray right now that for the first time, clarity will begin to take place in our lives and in our minds, and we'll see the end from the beginning, not of of what we think might have been our story, but the story that you have called us to, the story that you have written for us, God, the purpose that you have before us. You said in your word, God, that that before we were ever born, God, you knew us and you created us with a purpose. You etched purpose in our heart, God. So, Father, when we walk out of this place, I I pray that the headlines just begin to change. That the headlines of our, our stories just begin to change. And we lead with the The headline that we want to be, we lead with the headline of where we are headed, not where we have been. We thank you for that, God. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. If you receive that, say a big amen this morning. Amen. Amen.